I, I never knew John Maine, as he died in uh, 1982, and um, I was only 12 then. <laughs> um, but he's always uh, been, uh, I feel he's always been with me. Um, I came across the teaching uh, when I was um, actually a, uh, in India after I left school. I went to a Benedictine school in England and John Maine was an English Benedictine, but I never actually heard about John Maine or the teaching of Christian meditation at my school. It's a bit, he was a bit, John Maine was a bit like a prophet who wasn't uh, accepted in his own household. Um, but after I left uh, school, I went to India. I'm a great India enthusiast. And um, I met uh, B. Griffiths there. And B, Father Bede was encouraging. I was trying to take up a meditation practice. And he, he was the one who recommended me to, to read John Maine. And uh, I took to it uh, since then. So I've been, um, feel very much part of the, the, the practice. And, and I became an oblate of the community sometime after that and have lived in uh, the community in London when they had houses in Kensington, Cockfosters and uh, Ealing a bit. Um, but now I, work, I got a job um, and I did my studies here in London as well um, in the university. Um, but I got a job six years ago working for the Cistercians in Ireland. <laughs> so I've, I live in Ireland now. Um, where we run a retreat program at a, at a monastery there. And I often give um, at Mount Mellory Abbey. Yeah. It's the old, oldest Cistercian Abbey in uh, Ireland in southern south coast. And um, I give, we run a meditation group there now. And uh, John Maine was uh, Irish, English, both, <laughs> but more Irish in that his, um, his grandparents uh, came from Ireland. His parents, uh, his father moved to England and married his mother, who was English. They, um, but there's this Irish connection, and John Maine once thought of joining the Cistercians in Ireland. But uh, he then he, he said that he went to visit one of the monasteries, and he said, this is a place where I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't find my vocation. I would also lose my faith. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're trying to trying to make up, update the um, the Trappist life <laughs> so that it's a little bit a little bit more attractive. So anyway, so that's that's what I that's what I do. So I've chosen the. Um, I'm doing some slides which I put together yesterday on the, on the plane back from India, so I hope they come out okay. <laughs> so I put this um, as, a, as a title of put mysticism or putting the spiritual into practice. Uh, I think that's, for me, the essence of John Maine is that he, he's very much um, and that uh, it becomes a practice rather than a theory, um, mysticism or the spiritual. I mean, what do we mean by the, the spiritual? Um, 
that's that's already. Um, I think there's so many ideas, or whatever. But when we're meditating, I think we come to a practical experience of the spiritual. So normally we're we're going around as um, body mind people. We go around as if we are a body and a mind. We, we do things and we think things, and uh, that's how we function in life. But in meditation, we uh, allow the body to become still, and as best we can, we allow the mind to become still, and we realize that there's something else. We're not just body-mind, or there's something which contains the body and the mind. Uh, it integrates the whole person, and that uh, we might call the, the spirit. Um, and John Main was trying to get people to encounter the spirit in a, in a practical way. It wasn't a sort of great, sort of elaborate sort of teachings on mysticism, just in a daily way to uh, encounter this sense that we are not just body-mind, that we are, uh, have this spirit within us. And sometimes in meditation, uh, we, and John Main is very practical, and that's you, you, sometimes in meditation we don't necessarily experience that spirit because we're still dealing with our busy minds or our uncomfortable bodies, and we sit through a meditation and we feel that we're still body-mind. <laughs> but there is this sense, growing sense, as you practice meditation, that um, there is this other dimension which uh, integrates us. And so that's why I think John Main is the great teacher of putting the spiritual into practice, so that we know the spiritual through, through practice. Uh, and the other great thing he did was um, bring as meditation into the Christian tradition, or remind Christians that there was a meditative practice within Christianity. That's the other great benefit of John Main. Um, sometimes, especially when he was teaching in the uh, 60s and 70s, uh, meditation was associated with uh, TM and uh, the Eastern traditions, which uh, he was always very positive about. But he did say that there was a Christian tradition, and John Maynard was the great. Uh, that's why Father Bede recommended me to him to try and uh, discover this meditation within Christianity. And John Main's teaching he uses, he does refer to the Eastern tradition. And we'll see that he learned a lot from the East. But the main language he uses comes from Christianity. So this sense of body, mind, spirit is in Christianity. I was even, when I arrived, looking at the icon. It's one of my hobbies, is painting icons. Um, you have the, the disciples here and the, the, the law and the prophets here, and then Jesus here. So you've got this sense of body, mind, spirit. The disciples are flat out <laughs> on the ground, <laughs> wiped, sort of um, speechless. That's in the sense the body. And then the, 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 the mind of the prophets and the scriptures and the, and the law and all that are also recognizing the primacy of the spirit is represented by Jesus. Um, 
you know. So it's it's within Christianity, and John Main uh, used the the Christian tradition. But the the other wonderful thing about John Main is the he emphasised the simplicity of meditation. I just come back from India, and, and I still work with interreligious dialogue. Uh, but sometimes there's some very esoteric teachings on meditation, the sort of levels of consciousness and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but John Main really brought meditation back to its simplicity, the simplicity of the practice, and uh, the naturalness of it. We're not in meditation doing something um, extraordinary. We're doing something quite natural, which is... Um, he says in one of his talks, the wonderful beauty of prayer uh, is that the opening of our hearts is as natural as the opening of a flower. Uh, the lotus uh, opens with the sun. Uh, I noticed, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I was a big lake of lotuses, but they also close at midday lotuses. <laughs> There's too much sun. <laughs> <laughs> they close up again. But in the morning and the evening, the, the lotuses open. Um, and I think that's certainly a sense of our practice of meditation is normally morning and evening when we just allow ourselves to bask in the, in the presence of uh, um, the spirit. And then the, the, the opens naturally. The, the lotus flower. Um, that already situates John Main in this Christian tradition in that prayer is going on in the heart. Uh, the, center, the, the spirit is present in the heart. Uh, now the heart, you can understand it as a physical, it is linked to the physical, but really it's the center of our being. Uh, the spiritual is not a mental thing, Spiritual is something which integrates our whole being and which is really about love. Uh, that we're um, learning that, that God is love. Uh, so he goes on to say, to let a flower open and bloom, it is only necessary to let it be. So if we simply are, if we simply be, if we are, if we become and remain still and silent, our heart cannot but be open, and the spirit cannot but pour through into our whole being. It is for this that we have been created. This uh, sense of, of being that we are, uh, the spirit is, is being. Uh, in, the, um, in Exodus, in the story of Moses at the bush, God reveals God's self as I am that I am, pure being, without uh, saying I am this, I am that, just I am. And the experience of meditation is also the entering into that experience of being, I am that I am. So we let go of this sense of I am this, I am that, uh, because in the, uh, the spirit, uh, all those um, attributes are body-mind. Uh, I am a man, <laughs> I am the, <laughs> I am English. All that's body-mind in the spirit. We don't have, um, we just are. And that's the center of our being. 
Um, so we don't have to um, do very much in meditation. We just come to the sense that I am. And uh, we remain still and silent. And the heart opens and the spirit pours into the heart. That's uh, St. Paul talks about that. The spirit pouring into the heart. Um, and then through into our whole being. But the heart, the, the spirit coming through the heart integrates our whole being. So, and it's for this we've been created. So there's so much in this, just this little statement of, of uh, John Main, which um, kind of it sums up the, the experience of Christian meditation. Opening the heart, letting the spirit uh, be present. So that means letting go of body-mind and then realizing that body-mind is integrated in, uh, in the spirit. The, um, John Maine was also very practical in that he realized that we were, we're not all um, and, and we're busy lives. Uh, body, the body and mind is busy, especially. Uh, and the old idea was that in the Christian tradition was that the contemplative prayer meditation was more for monks, more for Baptists or the Carthusians. And uh, it wasn't uh, for ordinary people. And John Main said that it was. Uh, but he recognized that, that the work of um, uh, meditation, we have to deal with this busyness. And um, uh, so this is why he gave a very clear teaching on how to meditate. That's one of the, the great advantages of John Main's teaching, is it's not just um, if Thomas Merton, the great Cistercian writer is a great um, inspirer for us to, to towards contemplation and a contemplative life. But John Main is, is, a, is a great simplifier of it uh, in that he really focuses on getting how to do it and putting it into practice. Uh, and um, that's and one of the, the, the most helpful teachings is this um, prayer word, mantra. So instead of uh, going the busy mind, we, we stay with just one sound, one word. And mindfulness has also taught us this now, with um, the breathing, being aware of the breathing as a way of letting, letting go of all the thoughts, and just being with the breathing. So the maybe animals can teach us um, a little bit about Meditation. The, the, the world community now does meditation with children, and Lawrence always says children can teach us because they're very simple about it. Whereas as adults, the mind has become complicated. But also animals can be meditative. <laughs> so this person is um, learning from his guru cat. <laughs> Um, I think the complex, the reason why children and animals <laughs> maybe have the capacity to, to be, whereas we as adults complicate things, is partly, um, partly our religious education 
that we think that the we think the the spiritual is something about um, God, and and uh, we make a big theory out of it. And John Main, this is why he's very challenging for the religious mind. Uh, he says in uh, uh, one of his books, he says the first step in faith, this is the beginning of faith, is to stop thinking about God <laughs> at the time of prayer. So that all our theories about God are really not to come into the time of prayer. We might at other times reflect on the nature of God, but it's not really what prayer is about, thinking about God. Uh, we have to uh, trust, we have to, instead of just believing in God, we have to trust our whole being that God is with us and we are in God. Uh, so not thinking about God, but allowing that sense of God being in us and we are in God. It's more of a, uh, an intuitive sense than, than a mental. So it's one of the great complications of prayer is to bring God into it. <laughs> God is. I mean, there's no... We're not denying the existence of God, but it's not, a, um, it's not our minds that create God. So meditation is a greater um, purifier of the religious imagination <laughs> in that we uh, through thinking about God. And that makes God much more real, really. There's always the... I remember when I, I had this sort of religious upbringing, but I always thought, well, it could, God just could just be a, a theory that these monks had thought up and were trying to make us all believe in. Um, but meditation helps as we come to uh, God through our own experience, not through theory. Um, so letting go of God. And then the other thing he says we have to let go of, which adults, we've become, we complicated prayer, is um, the sense that we are praying. <laughs> My prayer. I still get... Uh, Told off um, and my wife when I go and do meditation I go and say oh I'm going to do my meditation and my wife says well <laughs> you've just contradicted what you <laughs> you've contradicted the whole thing when you say that <laughs> because my meditation is already uh, not really what it's about and John Main says that uh, this sense that, that, that we are the praying is the second thing we have to let go of in prayer, we're, we are not taking the initiative. We're not talking to God. We're not doing uh, the prayer. We are listening to the word, within, his, God's word within us. We're not looking for God. It's God who's found us. Uh, and we just have to be still uh, and allow this sense that we have, are in God and that God is, is finding us rather than we are seeking God. And the way he, to come to this silence and stillness, this, this letting go of activity, of the sense of doing, that we are the doer, the way he recommended is the way of the mantra. Mantra is a way of, of letting go of uh, all this talking to God or seeking God and just allowing us to be still and silent and to be in God. He says that saying the mantra is like a dropping anchor. 
um, the boat uh, of the mind and the body uh, is <laughs> sailing everywhere. When we drop anchor, uh, we learn this sort of stillness. The mantra keeps us steady. The mind and the mind will still sway a bit, but basically we're being rooted in the experience of being. Another image John Main gives is that the mantras, saying the mantras, the process of polishing the mirror within us, uh, so that our hearts maybe so that our hearts become fully open, fully reflecting the light of God's love. So it's as if there's this mirror within us uh, which needs to be sort of polished so that God's love and, uh, can ref and light can reflect within us. The soul is a, is a mirror. This is a, a, an image taken up by the mystics a lot. Uh, and we are just reflecting the love of God and the light of God in us. So all these um, books that John Main wrote, and there were a lot of talks and books, uh, they're all um, very helpful to encourage us to the practice, but they're all focused on this very simple um, uh, teaching. Nothing. It's not as if you're going to learn any new uh, theories. It's about putting uh, this into practice. So he actually said, uh, despite all the books that have come out of him, he said that really there was uh, all he had to teach could be written on the back of a postage stamp, <laughs> an old Irish stamp. Um, so in this way, he's sort of different. I always, I'm a great enthusiast of Thomas Merton. And being working with the Trappists, we do a lot of work with them. Um, Thomas Merton's teaching, but they're sort of different. Uh, Merton has a lot to say about everything, <laughs> and he's, great, he's amazing, and he's a, he's a, a great writer and a poet. Uh, and John Main is, is maybe less poetical and less not famous as a writer uh, in terms of his language. He doesn't write sort of astonishing um, prose like Merton did, but he, he's a, a great sort of simplifier. Of the, of the spiritual practice, so that he said he sort of says it can all be summed up in this in this practice, um, and I think we know this because in all the books published by about John Main, he gives this how to meditate teaching. So you probably know this: just letting go of imagination and thoughts, and using the prayer word to steady us and to do the practice morning and evening for between 20 and 30 minutes. That's, uh, the, that's the encouragement. Now, sometimes, of course, we miss meditation, but to come, just come back to that uh, guide uh, and not... Um, some, sometimes I, I, I have to do my meditation. I have to do... Well, life... We find God in life, really, so... You have to be flexible. But this is the guide, and whenever we have the, the opportunity uh, to have that regular practice, we should always go back to it. And the, the CDs of John Main, which he had a wonderful 
sonorous speaking voice, <laughs> so we're lucky we have the recordings of his talks. Um, the, but he, again, he says that our theories about prayer can make, um, can make us impotent and self-important, <laughs> like people with a car manual but no car. <laughs> and so, sort of, and I did it, all these years of study of theology, but in some sense, it's, it, it's uh, not, it can make us think that we're very spiritual, but um, it's really only the practice of uh, putting it into practice, which is the real thing. So, so it's really just putting it into practice. <laughs> the, the, old, um, the old desert monks used to say, a, the a theologian is one who prays, and one who prays is a theologian. <laughs> so, um, so it's some, sometimes a bit deceptive, John Maine, because we can kind of think, um, oh, he's sort of a, uh, he's very good as a getting people into meditating, um, but he's sort of, once we've read John Maine once or twice, we might not want to read any more, because he kind of, that's what he's there for, to get, get us started. But actually there's a great depth uh, to go back to in him, he sort of reteaches us to this continuous beginner's mind. The beginner's mind is not a, a stage. It's, it's, it's really the, the heart of the practice. And that's um, why there is a lot to John Maine and is always worth revisiting. Um, my uh, teacher who inspired me to, to get started, B. Griffiths, uh, was was a great enthusiast about the teaching of John Maine. And Bede was very um, aware of the, the richness of, of the whole world's mystical traditions, but he felt in John Maine that this was a real benefit for the church to have a, an emphasis on practice rather than on uh, a theory. He says, in my experience, John Maine is the most important spiritual guide in the church today. He opened the way to the direct experience of God, of truth, of reality from within the Christian tradition. He's a man of great wisdom and above all of great love. Um, they, they knew each other, Father Bede and John Maine, they met a few times. Uh, Lawrence says that he was left out of the conversations. <laughs> all he could hear from outside was the laughing. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyway, Father Bede is a uh, great supporter. The sense of the direct experience of God. That's the experience of God not mediated by thought, but the actual encounter. Another great uh, enthusiast about John Maine is, is Rowan Williams. Um, he takes the fact that John Maine took the, the desert tradition, that's the old monastic, the original monastic tradition. John Maine effectively put the desert tradition of prayer to work in our day, put it back into practice. The roots of his distinctive spirituality lie in the 4th and 5th centuries. That's the early monks. 
the world community for Christian meditation, which continues his mission, is for me, as for many around the world, a taste of what a committedly contemplative church might look and feel like. Rowan Williams would have longed for, he longs for this committedly contemplative church, where we, we're contemplative in our practice. So he's uh, been recognized by many today. Now I'm going to go and talk a little bit about the life of John Main, but I don't. I want to give a space if anyone has any comments or questions, so that I'm not. Uh, if we have any at this point. <laughs> Probably we will get a chance for questions later as well. But I'm, I'm quite happy to be interrupted um, if anyone does have any questions at any time. So um, John Main was was not actually born with the name John. <laughs> he was born with the name Douglas. It's one of this monastic tradition where they change their name. So Douglas Main was born in 1926, and he had this. Um, lived in, in London, he was born in London, but his uh, father's family uh, came from um, uh, Kerry. Um, they were from uh, the west coast of Ireland, and he used to spend his summer holidays uh, in Kerry on the west coast. Uh, here you have two pictures of him in, in, in London. He went to the Westminster Cathedral Choir School. He was, uh, and um, and there on holiday in in Kerry, on the west coast. He was uh, the middle child of a of a family of of six children. Um, I think you can guess which one he is. Looking, <laughs> looks <laughs> already looks the part for a kind of a scholar. Uh, yeah. and they're a very close family. Uh, the the connection to uh, Kerry, and they were actually um, uh, his grandparents lived in, in Banningskelligs, which is the town just uh, across from the the Skelligs, which are these ancient um, monastic settlements on uh, off the west coast of Ireland. Um, famous now because of Star Wars, <laughs> they um, they filmed Star Star Wars there. But um, these are uh, settlements from the time of the, the sixth, seventh century, uh, and where the monastic, the, the roots of the Celtic monastic tradition, which was linked to the Egyptian monastic tradition, where the whole thing started. It was, uh, uh, trying to put it into practice in, in um, the desert. This was the Irish desert. So John Main was, this is from uh, just outside Balanskelligs, uh, a picture I took to show how close <laughs> these, these, these um, islands, rocky islands are to the coast. And John Main would have been, would have visited them and got this sense of the of the of the sort of 
early Celtic spirituality. And this um, shapes the mysticism of John Main, this early Celtic spirituality, which he brought in to, um, uh, it comes in with his teaching as well. Um, It comes in some of his most beautiful writing, uh, this sense that uh, Christ is at the heart of everything, the heart of um, uh, the central message of the New Testament. There's really only one prayer, and this prayer is the prayer of Christ. That all this uh, Christ is the, um, the sort of center of the universe in which all verge. And this uh, Christ, uh, prayer of Christ is going on in our hearts all the time. It is a prayer which continues in our hearts day and night. So it's not as if we are um, doing anything when we're praying, apart from tuning this prayer which is going on all the time. I can describe it only as the constantly between Jesus and the Father stream of love is the Holy Spirit. But also this sense of the desert. And the early monks um, said we had to enter, and John Main is very strong about this. He doesn't sort of hide the fact that we have to enter, in a sense, into a void, into an emptiness, before the Spirit can really allow to come forward. And normally, we're too busy with our activities and our thoughts allow the spirit to allow the awareness of the prayer of this prayer of the spirit uh, so in some sense we have to be unformed for Christ to be formed in us we think that we are this and that because of our background our education and whatever but really we are Christ and in order to discover that we have to let go of all these other identities uh, we have to become Christ. And this uh, experience of uh, this emptying out um, is we, we, we come to in our meditation. We, as we enter the silence within us, we are entering a void in which we are unmade. Very strong words, unmade. Uh, we let go of all the things that we think of created us our families, or everything which we think we are. We cannot remain the person that we were or thought we were. But, we are, but then he says, we are not in fact being destroyed, but awakened to the eternally fresh source of our being. We are, so we're coming to the source of who we are, which is not this or that, it's coming, cannot be put into words. We become aware that we are being created. So this sense that uh, we came into the world, um, I don't know, <laughs> a long time ago, and now we're just continuing like a sort of a, uh, a toy that's been wound up and, and just let it go. John Main reminds us that at every moment we are being created. We are, there's a source, a new source of our, of our life. Um, we are springing from the Creator's hand and returning to Him in love. 
and the sense of the gift of our being and the giving giving our, 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 this gift back to the giver. That's what prayer is, accepting the gift of our being and giving it back to the one who gives. So anyway, this mysticism. They, John Main, this is a later John Main, he um, served in the, in the army as a young man uh, in the Second World War and was um, uh, serving in the signal, signaling corps uh, and working behind enemy lines actually in France when he was uh, trying to uh, catch the radio signals of, um, of the German army, I don't know how it all works, and uh, also to make sure that the, the Germans couldn't um, get on the wavelength of the um, English signals when they were trying to send messages. Of course, it had to be, it was very important that, it, that, that, that they, so it was a very important work and a, and a very dangerous work he was doing. And, um, he sometimes later on brought this into his teaching. He did speak about this prayer at getting onto the frequency of the spirit or the wavelength. It's like a radio. When you're tuning the radio, there's a lot of kind of crackle, crackle, distorted noise. And then you get onto the right frequency and then you get the, uh, the, the music. And he said meditation was a bit like the, tuning the radio, just getting the... Uh, the the right frequency which is uh, where we enter into the spirit and there we we find that the prayer the Holy Spirit is praying within us Uh, after the um, uh, end of the war he went to study law in Trinity College Dublin And there's a picture of him with his students, fellow students. I think this may be later. He then went back later on to Trinity College, and that may be more of a, they look like rather old students, so it may be staff, actually, because <laughs> he later went to teach at Trinity, and so I think this picture is from that, that time. Um, uh, after studying, finishing his study of law, he went to work, uh, actually, <coughs> To in Malaysia, where they were, um, uh, it was the end of the uh, um, after the Second World War. The British granted um, independence to these uh, uh, the colonies. So Malaysia was becoming an independent state and uh, Malay, ceasing to be Malay, and they. Uh, John Main worked there uh, to try and work with the legal side of granting independence to uh, the uh, Malaysia. And there he met uh, an Indian monk, uh, Swami Satyananda, who had, had started a, a society, a pure life society, which was looking after orphans in Malaysia. After the Second World War, there was a lot of uh, uh, people, uh, soldiers killed and civilians, there were a lot of orphans. And um, this society was started to found them, but based on spiritual principles. 
And this monk was a, an Indian monk who had um, his formation uh, with the Hindu tradition. Um, and John Main went to to visit the, the to give actually to give him a, a a sort of an award for his work with the, founding these orphanages, and uh, they started to talk about the spiritual life, and um, John Main uh, John Main entered into conversation with him, and they started to talk about prayer. And uh, John Main described his way of praying, which we don't really know what it was before this time, because it was at this time that he learned this tradition of the, of the mantra. Uh, he recounts this in the little book called The Gethsemane Talks, which is the first talks that John Main gave at the Trappist Monastery of Gethsemane. And um, he talks that in that book more than in, more than in any others about his teacher, his original teacher, and uh, he gives the teaching of, the, of this Swami Satyananda. And uh, the, so this is a quotation from Swami Satyananda, which John Main records how he taught that the mantra is like a harmonic. Um, a har I'm not a musician, but I'm a, a harmonic is to get the, I suppose, is to get the right note. I'm sure you, the musicians here can explain. Uh, get the right note. And once you've got the right note, then, then you can kind of tune in uh, around it. So as we sound this harmonic within us, we begin to build up a resonance. Uh, again, this is a very musical image, which a musician can explain better than me. But the resonance leads us forward to our own wholeness. So the mantra, the, this um, the resonance, the mantra leads us into this um, experience of the spirit. This is the way I understand it. And then this spirit, the experience of the spirit leads to a sense of our integration as a, as a whole body, mind, spirit. So this is, um, again, Swami Satyananda quoted by John Main. Uh, meditation is very simple. So this is where he got his, all you have to do is meditate. <laughs> so um, this is where he got his teaching from. Uh, and then you must become silent. So the teacher, he was quite um, strict, like some of the Zen teachers. There's a real strictness of, of no nonsense. You must become silent, we must be still, and we must concentrate. And then he says that we, in his tradition, use a word we call a mantra. We repeat it faithfully, lovingly, and continually. That is all there is meditation. <laughs> Very simple teaching he got from this monk. And uh, it, it um, sunk in deeply into John Main, and he, he wanted to learn to meditate. And the monk said, if you want to learn, come back and med we'll meditate together. So we learn meditation meditating with others who meditate. And that also became the, the, the way John Main taught meditation, was starting meditation groups. And we, the, if you're meditating, you meditate a bit with others, and then you, you start to pick it up. It's not uh, it's something we learn from books so much as from others who meditate. Um, 
uh, I've quoted this already. John Main chose this Christian mantra, Maranatha. Um, this is uh, this. Um, there's this long tradition of using a prayer word. We'll come into that later. How John Main linked this teaching of Swami Satyananda with this Christian tradition of the prayer word. Uh, and then he, he, but he found that Maranatha was an ideal uh, prayer word because it had this harmonic quality. In the Hindu tradition, there's a great sense of the that sound carries a sort of uh, a resonance which leads to a sense of stillness and integration. And this is a Christian prayer word which also has that quality, Maranatha this open R sound. It's, uh, it's actually the, the sound linked to the heart in the, in the Hindu tradition, the R. Uh, for example, if you see something beautiful or moves you, you go R. <laughs> it's also a sound that, that is a relaxing sound. If we get into a nice hot bath, we go R. So this Maranatha is four times R. <laughs> uh, but also it gives us something to do. Like uh, it gives us the consonants, Maranatha, four consonants as well as the vowel. So the vowel opens the heart and allows us to relax. The consonants give us something to give our attention to. Ma, to say those Maranatha. So we need something for the mind to do. To, to give it, it's a bit like a, a dog, you give it a stick and it won't chase the sheep because it's got the stick in its mouth. <laughs> the mantra is a bit like that. If you give, it, give the mind something, this little word to say, then it won't run after the other thoughts. It'll, it'll just stay with that. Um, I just finished this little bit and then. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It would be a bit unlikely that Swami Satyananda. Well, John Main doesn't say. I've never in any book encountered where he got Maranatha from and when he got it. Uh, it's a Christian prayer word. Whether Swami Satyananda knew it, I don't know. He doesn't actually say. No, he could have. Could have also been later on, um, because as we'll discuss, as we'll learn in a bit, Domain at some stage gave up meditating and then came back to it later on. So it could have been then that he he found that word. Um, but Swami Satyananda did. He does say that Swami Satyananda did encourage him to take a word from his own tradition. So it could have been from then. The the actual word is not. Um, I mean, we recommend Maranatha, but there's no um, necessity to use any particular word. It can be another word, or uh, in the many traditions, the breathing can be an object of focus. Uh, and it serves the same function. It's really just finding what, spe- what seems to work best for yourself. Um, the uh, in the, the Christian tradition, the Jesus prayer would be a, a mantra tradition in Christianity. 
No, he he learned this meditation from this Swami Satyananda, who we don't very know very much about, um, apart from his work with the the orphanages. He had trained uh, with the um, uh, the uh, monks in India, the Vivekananda. Anyway, there's a, a particular monastic tradition in India which came from was founded by one of the disciples of Ramakrishna and he, he was part of that monastic tradition and he got his teaching from a, uh, a Shankacharya uh, Guru Deva of this mantra but that was the teaching which Vivekananda pointed his monks towards so there's, a, there's a, something of the background can be worked out in if I mean, even B didn't know John Maine till till later. Um, so even when when B, when Father B was at Kurushimla, I doubt he would have known about John Maine. Uh, but later on, he did. Um, so anyway, this um, and then this here we we just come back. We're going to have a break now, but just link it back to this Celtic spirituality a bit. Uh, this harmonic that builds up a resonance within us and leads to our own integration also builds up a resonance between uh, us and all creation, all creatures and all creation. This is a very Celtic uh, idea. <laughs> this idea that, that the encounter with God doesn't separate us from creation. It, it leads to a a deeper connection with the created world. Uh, the monastic tradition, sometimes it, as it developed, was a more of a focusing on the inner world, whereas the Celtic tradition saw the connection between the inner and, and the outer. So this sense of resonance between us and all creatures and all creation, and a unity between us and our creator. That's the, the great mystical uh, insight of, of um, Christianity and all the religions really that God, I and the Father are one God and us are united uh, uh, so this is the, the mystical but the mystical doesn't is part of a um, a sense of connection with all creation So we were talking a bit about the, this harmonic that the, uh, the mantra sets up a resonance which leads to our own integration and a, sen- an in- a sense of um, harmony with creation and then uh, the harmony with God, a sense of union with God. And um, this is very much part of John Main's spirituality. It is, a, and this is, as I say, a very Celtic theme. It's not a uh, that, and this is from his book Word into Silence, uh, which is the second book that came out on Christian meditation. The first was the Gethsemane Talks, which in some way gives the uh, the more personal story of John Main's uh, journey into prayer, and then the Word into Silence was the book that came out, which gives a more uh, a kind of theology behind it. It's the more theological book. But those are the two, two classic sort of introductions. 
although any of John Main's books give the vision. But here he says, uh, the beauty of the Christian vision of life lies in its vision of unity. It sees that all humanity has been unified in the one who is in union with the Father. So all of humanity is, is unified in Christ. Christ is the, the well, in theological terms, we speak of Christ as the new Adam, uh, the new humanity. So it's, it really brings humanity back into what you might say the original template for, for what the humanity was. Uh, and this original template of what humanity is, is in union with God, in union with the Father. So to discover uh, that we are united in Christ is to discover that we're united with God. Could I ask you, was the influence by Shia the Yeah, maybe, yes. 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 yes, it is, yes. Yes, it is. The sense that nothing is left behind. That is a bit of a contrast with some of the Eastern spirituality, but there is a, a bit of an emphasis in the East that uh, the, the material world is uh, kind of uh, left behind as we go towards God. But in... Um, depends which tradition, but the, the Christian vision is that all matter, all creation is drawn into this cosmic movement towards unity. Uh, that will be the realization of the divine harmony. The divine harmony includes everything. It doesn't involve any separation from the created world. And this is as Tayyad de Chardin emphasized, that this part of the evolution is the evolution of the cosmos into God. <laughs> it's the, the, uh, and we're all becoming uh, more and more united. So, so that's the Celtic side. Uh, and then the, a link to this Celtic side is this tradition he learned from his uh, teacher, his, this monk in Malay, who um, talked about this, the mantras, this way of getting into this experience of, of unity, body, mind, spirit, and then with us and creation, and ultimately us and God. And um, in this um, Gethsemane talks, John Main talks about how there's stages, in a sense, uh, to the saying of the mantra. You begin by... Uh, and this was the, 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 the teaching which say your mantra <laughs> and this is John Main's teaching say your mantra so you say that's how you, you get into it you say the mantra interiorly uh, yeah. but, they, but there comes a point where you're not so much saying it but sounding it that's the next um, stage it's more of a sound which is going on within you it's less an activity we're doing in order to take attention off our thoughts. It's a sound which is resonating within our whole being. Um, so it's not so much, and this is why in the experience of meditation, as the mantra goes deeper, it seems to become fainter. It's not so much a, uh, an object of thought. <laughs> it's something going on much deeper than thought. And it's why some many people in meditation, they 
find that the distractions go on at one level and the mantra is sounding at another level because the mantra is much uh, deeper than the, the thoughts. Um, so it's not so much... There is a sort of journey in the, me- in the meditation. And then he says there's a third stage where you're listening to the mantra when you're not actually saying the mantra. There's, because we have to, in the spiritual life, move away from this sense of uh, I am the doer, I'm, I'm doing the prayer. So saying the mantra is, is a way in, but it's not. Uh, there's a sense that the mantra is being said within you and you're listening to it. So it's as if the prayer, and this is the handing over of the prayer to this prayer of the Spirit, rather than my prayer. Um, so it's a, it's a, a journey of, of letting go, uh, listening to the mantra. And then he says here, my teacher used to say, when you get to this listening stage, it is as though you are toiling up the mountainside and the mantra is sounding in the valley down below you. So it gets more and more faint, normally. Uh, as it goes on. And uh, the journey is to keep going even though the mantra becomes more and more faint. And you have to listen with deeper and deeper attention as the mantra sort of disappears from uh, something you're in control of. It's sounding deep within you and you're listening with more and more close attention to something going on uh, at a much deeper level than, than thought. And then John Main says that there's a, the fourth stage is where the mantra disappears from uh, earshot completely and there's just silence. Uh, and this happens uh, at times and we're just uh, dwelling in the silence. Now, of course, the, the um, teaching is that if we become self-conscious of that silence, uh, then we've moved back into... Uh, the sense of I. <laughs> I am feeling peaceful. I am feeling, uh, I'm enjoying this silence. And, uh, so really that, that experience of, of we're being led to is, is, is an experience where we are just absorbed in God. So the moment we start to say, oh, I'm enjoying this, I'll just sit, I'll, I'll sit here. Then the, John Main says, well, we have to go back to the beginning again. We have to go back to the mantra, which does the work of uh, letting go of, of uh, this sense of I. So anyway, it's, <laughs> there's a sort of journey to it. Uh, it's a journey, both an effort, toiling up the mountainside, and a journey of letting go. Uh, of allowing the prayer to go on in the valley below much deeper than our efforts anyway after this discovery I was just saying in the break someone was all in when he was working in Malaysia in 1956 this was a long time before the Beatles and before interest in Eastern meditation was part of Western culture in the 50s uh, it wasn't um, uh, so John Main came back to Europe and took up a, a lectureship in, in Dublin Trinity College and became professor of law and yet continued this meditation practice but it was very much a solitary thing because there wasn't sort of any interest in the West until the 60s 
in, as far as I know, very few. Um, but he kept up the meditation practice uh, as during his time, um, busy time teaching. He uh, was very close to his family. These are pictures of him with his his um, uh, sisters, his two sisters, and the various children, uh, who um, lived in Ireland. So he spent a lot of time with them. And in 1958, that was a sort of a, a, a very key year for John Main. It was a he'd established himself as a in, and was enjoying his life. But he would, um, two things happened in that year which shifted his sense of what he was doing with his life. One was uh, a falling in love. He was a, had lived a sort of bachelor life up to that point, and uh, there was a girl he met, a sort of friend of the family, and in the accounts, the, the, they fell in love, and they were planning to get married. But there was in there's a it's all a, in the marvelous book that Paul Harris put together called John Main by those who knew him, which um, gives stories of accounts of people who knew John Main, and you get more of the personal life of John Main there, which you don't get in his books that he wrote about. Uh, but there's accounts from his sisters and from friends of his about uh, this. Um, uh, time when he wanted to get married, where they say that the story is that, the, that they came to this discernment that it wasn't meant to be. Apparently, it was more this this, this girl who decided that uh, they weren't, it, it couldn't work. Um, and John Main was sort of heartbroken by this and, and, and disorientated uh, because he was trying to make a sense. He loved children, <laughs> and to be adored children, but he didn't seem to be called to, he didn't seem to, that he was getting, going to be getting married. And um, the other thing that happened was also linked to, to his nephews and nieces, is that one of his nephews developed, a, uh, uh, was a young boy, um, forgotten the age, eight or nine or something, developed a brain tumor. and. Uh, and John Main was with him throughout that, but and right up to the, the death of this boy uh, in in 1958, and it had again a big um, impact on John Main. This sense of uh, pushing him to seek what was really important in life, and um, he he felt that his med his meditation practice, in a sense gave the most meaning to his life, more meaning even than his work or his enjoyment of all sorts of things. He was a great enthusiast for, uh, for music, a great enthusiast for horse racing. <laughs> he definitely lived life to the full. Um, but he felt that the meditation was the center of, of what was important to him, and he wanted to refocus his life around meditation more. So it was in this year, 1958, that the beginnings of the sense of the calling to monastic life started. 
And at first he went to the Cistercian monasteries, as I say, in Ireland. Uh, but he felt in those days they were pre-Vatican too. They were still using sign language and sleeping on boards. <laughs> so he thought this is too much of a contrast from their life in, in Dublin. So um, he actually went to, uh, found the one that suited him most was an English monastery. English Benedictines are more, have a tradition of a moderate life. And uh, also they have a tradition of school teaching and, uh, and often in the city. Uh, Cistercians tend to be milking cows, which I don't think John May wanted to do. <laughs> so he joined the, uh, he joined this um, monastery in London, Ealing Abbey, English Benedictine, and, um, and was going to continue his sense of calling as a teacher. Uh, but more focused around meditation um, there. But, and in this was a sense of, of homecoming uh, to discover that this was his calling to be a monk, and that stayed with him throughout his life. Um, hmm? uh, no, he hadn't. No, no. That was Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence went to school at Ealing. That's where he met John Main. No, John Main was at. Uh, Westminster Cathedral Choir School, and then was edu educated by, I can't remember, the Jesuits or something, I don't know, I can't remember <coughs> But he, um, he felt at home there. But there was a problem in that his novice master, when they were discussing prayer, and John Main explained his practice of meditation using a prayer word, a mantra, and the novice master felt this wasn't a, um, uh, part of the Christian tradition and told him, encouraged him to, to give this up. And John Main, in those days, the monastic, this is a, obedience was, was the most important thing and to follow the traditions of the monastery. So he did give it up. He gave up meditation. So this was a sense of coming home but also a sense of, of, uh, of having to give up his <laughs> the, um, and he went back to the more nor the old way of Christian prayer, which was to use more discursive, using thoughts and images, uh, using one's imagination. In those days, the the Ignatian tradition was very popular, even with the Benedictines. So that they used to use their imagination with scripture passages, and he gave up the meditation as as this tra tradition of just one word. Um, again, this was all before Vatican II, and there was much more of a sense of separation from <coughs> other religions in those days, in the 50s. And uh, that in Vatican II, there was a shift of the great lines in the Nostra Aetate, the document which said that uh, we can learn, recognize, preserve, and promote the good things in other religions. But the, the church made a, a shift to recognize the, the, all the, the, the many good things. So but John Main was discouraged from practice of meditation in those days. And, but he, he continues as a monk, and uh, it took the name John, and it became a, 
uh, was ordained to the priesthood and taught in the school. Here he is. Um, there he is there. And there he is with his sisters. Uh, still very close to them. Three sisters and some other friends. And he liked the, the Benedictine life and they gave a certain sort of freedom. And he was sent to Rome to study uh, during the Second Vatican Council. He was sent to Rome and there he um, was very enthused by the, by the new openness of the church. And he came back uh, trying, trying to um, modernize the school to make it co-educational and to um, bring it into a more, a more of a spirit of openness. And um, anyway, the, this caused some disruption in the monastery when they, where they um, felt that, that uh, he was going too far in modernizing the school. I think bringing girls into the school was considered uh, <laughs> going too far. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then he was very nearly elected abbot, uh, but just by a couple of, you know, how the monks vote, uh, he just lost the election. And there was a sense that the, 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 the community was too divided because half the community feeling John Main was the one to lead them and the other half finding a, choosing another abbot. So in typical Benedictine style, they solved the problem by sending John Main away. He was sent uh, to another monastery. So uh, in 1969, he was sent to America to the, the English Benedictine monastery in uh, Washington, D.C. And so on. And there uh, he, um, he got involved there in the school again. There was a school which he, and he managed to do all the reforms which he hoped to do at Ealing there. And he actually brought the school from a, a state of decline at St. Anselm's Abbey to being a very successful school again. He was the headmaster there. Um, and it was during this. Uh, it was during this time, a very busy time, as headmaster of this school, um, that he, that a, the young man, this was in the 60s now, late 60s, when meditation was becoming popular and well known, and uh, the Beatles and everything, and TM, and, and uh, Don Main had given up his meditation practice for. Um, uh, some time, for 10 years he'd given it up. So he was sort of outside of all that. Uh, but there a young man came to the monastery at, at St. Anselm's who'd been around, traveling around India and had been very keen on the Indian thing, but somehow he felt that he wanted to discover what the Christians had to say about meditation. So he turned up at the St. Anselm's Abbey and the monks sent him, just happened to send him to John Maine. And John Main uh, had been some, he'd really left behind the practice of meditation. So he just told the, the boy to, to go and read some books and told him to read um, uh, Augustine Baker, a rather difficult book on Christian spiritual, monastic spirituality. And then he thought, well, he got rid of him and get back to my work, sort of thing. <laughs> 
Um, so th but this boy did read the book, uh, Augustine Baker, and came back to John Main very enthusiastic and said, um, isn't it amazing, all this stuff about the Desert Fathers uh, and uh, the early monastic tradition, because Augustine Baker quotes from the Desert Fathers. And Augustine Baker was a 16th century English Benedictine, but he quoted from the early tradition. And uh, John Main was surprised to see that this boy was, actually came back and had read the book, and he felt that he should read it again. It was normally, it was a staple book for the novices, but it was hardly read because they were too busy with other things. Uh, and John Main reread it, and then decided to reread the Desert Fathers, uh, particularly Cassian, who was the, the one who was a, a fifth century monk who, um, uh, who recorded the sayings and teachings of the desert. And he, um, um, he went on to read, to, to read Cassian. And then he says, um, John Main says, it was a very, with very wonderful astonishment that I read in Cassian's 10th conference of the practice of using a single short phrase to achieve the stillness necessary for prayer. He says, I arrived home once more and returned to the practice of the mantra. So that he, he discovered in Cassian that this practice of using one short phrase to come to stillness was part of the Christian tradition. And that he didn't, he wasn't an Eastern practice, and that he, as a Christian monk, was had a full, uh, this was the heritage, the very heritage of the monastic tradition that he joined. There's John Cassian, anyway, we don't need to go very much into this. Cassian um, Use this rather longer phrase: "God come, uh, or God make speed to save us. God come to my aid. Lord make haste to help us." And um, this Saint Benedict chose this as the introductory verse of each of the divine offices, each of the prayer times in the monastery. But it's sort of been forgotten the link between that and this repetition prayer. The idea was that the monks would be saying this prayer continually and then they'd come to the church and they'd all say it aloud together as a way of leading the prayer of the heart into the communal prayer. But that had been sort of forgotten and it just was used as an introduction to the, to the divine office I mean, to the communal prayer and rather than... But this Cassian speaks about the origins of this prayer as, as, to, as repeating it ceaselessly. The poor lady's got a bad cough. Um, so then the object of repeating it uh, ceaselessly is to let go of the thoughts. This, uh, Cassian sees that the way to prayer is the way of poverty of spirit, which is letting go of the uh, abundance and richness of our thoughts and coming to simple simplicity. And Cassian makes the link with uh, Jesus' teaching in the, in, the, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, 
not to, to pray with lots of words, but to go into your inner room and pray in, in silence to God who is present with us in you know, interiority. Um, and Cassian uses this to say we pray in our inner room when we divert our hearts from the noise of every thought and worry and, and open our prayer in secret to the Lord. We pray with closed doors uh, uh, when we shut up, we close our lips and pray in total silence. This silent prayer, which had been sort of forgotten in the monastic tradition, they got so caught up in the liturgical prayer that they'd forgotten the silent prayer. And then Cassian also makes the link between this prayer and, and a whole, the whole of one's life. That basically um, uh, the prayer we prepare, we prepare for uh, this silence by having um, the right kind of thoughts at all times. Um, so we can't meditate if we are thinking ill of others. So we have to let go of uh, any ill, any thoughts which uh, are um, kind of um, negative in order to be able to pray peacefully. Uh, because what it is, Cassian says, whatever we're thinking about before the time of prayer inevitably occurs to us when we pray as a result of the operation of memory. So we must prepare ourselves before the time of prayer to be the prayerful persons that we wish to be. So prayer becomes a whole way of life. It's not as if meditation by itself, or the time of meditation is the, is the answer. We, our whole life has to become uh, orientated in the right way. And this is, in the Indian tradition, they know about this ahimsa, to be nonviolent in our whole way of living, which is the, the only basis for, for the spiritual life. And this is why, in the monastic tradition, he, he started to see the monastic tradition of community and care for others and hospitality as an expression of prayer. This openness, this attentiveness, uh, and the uh, love is really all part of prayer. Um, and this, this is the community which John Main started. He started at, um, he came back actually to Ealing after his time in, in uh, Washington, D.C., and started a meditation community there, a lay community. Uh, and that's where Father Lawrence and others joined him. And he felt that the, this way of prayer, which had been somewhat forgotten in the monasteries, was, was open for lay people. The lay people were interested in it. So he started a community where people could live. And then later on, he went um, and started a similar community in, in um, Montreal, Canada. And he, he always saw these communities based around meditation as communities of love. The, the way we treated people treat each other is the, is the way we pray. And um, so he says, only when we live and live in and from love do we know that miraculous harmony and integration of our whole being which makes us fully human. So this harmonic of prayer around the prayer word 
is also the way we um, relate to each other. Well, we're going to come up to our lunch break. I just wanted to very briefly look at another discovery of John Main. It was during this time when he was teaching meditation on um, using Cassian and adapting it for, for lay people, as Cassian was very monastic. <laughs> um, when John Main came across this English, Bened English, not necessarily Benedictine, probably Carthusian, uh, medieval text on spirituality called The Cloud of Unknowing. And this also shaped John Main's teaching a lot. Uh, and one of his books is called The Way of Unknowing. And this uh, treatise on prayer shows is about how between us and God there is this cloud. And we have to enter into the cloud to pray. So it's not so much using the, the liturgy and the images which have their place, but we must also give time for this unknowing. Some of the early manuscripts have a, a picture of God behind the cloud. And so when we're praying, we're praying to a God that we cannot um, see. Uh, and the, the, cha the, the, the section which John Mayne was most interested in was chapter 9 of The Cloud of Unknowing. Uh, where it speaks about this naked intent unto God. We have to be very simple in our, in our reaching out to God. And this is a blind stirring of love. So that we want God only and without images. We want God, as it were, undressed. <laughs> Both us and God. Uh, and then the bit which... Um, he was most interested in, completely interested in, was this bit where the cloud of unknowing speaks of, of prayer using a short word of one syllable. This was even more focused than the Cassian teaching. Uh, so this intention, this reaching out to God, which is the essence of prayer, he says, the, the cloud author writes, if you want to have this intention wrapped and enfolded in one word, so that you can hold it onto, onto it better. It's a bit like, um, well, we're reaching out to God, but we need to somehow hold on to that uh, direction of reaching out. And so he says, wrap that intention in one word, a short word of one syllable. And he recommends the word love. And he says, uh, the cloud says, fasten this word to your heart so that it, it never parts from it, whatever happens. So this word expresses the intention of our prayer. So when we're meditating, we're caught up in the body-mind <laughs> busyness. But there's that, we, we want to find this peace of the spirit. We want to find this harmony. And the word becomes a way of reaching out uh, to God um, and expressing this intention to come to him, God. So it's, uh, it, the cloud author is expressing more this longing. The word expresses longing uh, and, uh, and, and uh, desire. The word sums up what we really want. It's a slightly different tradition from the Cassian, but John Main sort of put the two together and discovered this way of prayer, which is... Uh, about attention and mindfulness, but is also about 
longing and, and, and fulfilling, looking for what we really want. So this, the, pra the prayer word sums up, the prayer word is, is become stronger because it, it sums up what we really desire. So anyway, this, this, um, this chap has found a good prayer word. <laughs> I think again, this is why John Main recommended Maranatha, because it is a prayer of longing. Come Lord, a ad Advent prayer, isn't it? That where we're where we're waiting and longing for the coming of the Lord. So this uh, sense that if if prayer word links up to what we really desire, then it's much stronger. And the cloud author calls this a sharp dart of longing love, and he says a short word pierces heaven like an arrow which needs to be very focused at this point. All these lots of other prayers are helpful and they, they orientate us, but they're too big and too complex. Liturgy or even Bible study or whatever, it's great. All orientates us towards God and brings the whole person into prayer. But there's a sense that it's all too big in order to get through to God. So we need to have a very focused prayer to actually pierce the cloud and get to God. So these, this is the other text that John Main used a lot. And then um, the, uh, this communi living community life. Here's an early picture of, of Lawrence. <laughs> the community they started. Uh, John Main felt that uh, using these great texts on Christian prayer and then applying them in a very human way so that you weren't uh, kind of creating a monastery, but you were creating uh, a lay community where, uh, where people would learn to treat each other in a way that, that uh, was conducive to meditation. So that he, he was asked in one of his talks, what is the best way to prepare for meditation? And he said, by little acts of kindness during the day. I'm going to continue just because we're getting into the story of John Main's life. Um, so we'll go. He, so he has got to the point where he'd um, gone back to Ealing uh, to start a lay community based around meditation. This is where Father Lawrence joined him. And I think this picture is of, or maybe from later, because um, they, he then got an invitation uh, from the Bishop of Montreal, Canada, to come and start a monastery in, um, in Montreal. And uh, it is true that John, John Main found some resistance from, from within the monastic community to um, a sort of meditation as being um, a sort of a, a, a peculiar thing to be teaching in monasteries. But uh, he now had an opportunity to, to set up a monastery that was really centered on meditation. So this was a, a big step. And um, Lawrence by then had become a monk himself at Ealing. And then they left to, to found this on the invitation. The abbot gave them permission and they started this new monastery in Montreal, which was more around meditation than and sort of liturgical prayer. Um, 
this, so this is this is the Montreal thing. Actually, this is uh, Camden Hill Road. I've noticed because there's a picture of me there <laughs> in my in my early twenties. Um, but uh, soon they they also got the feeling that the, the important thing was not so much starting a monastery, but starting a links with lay people and to teach meditation for the for, for all. So um, they, Lawrence, there's a picture of Lawrence starting a meditation with children group in Montreal, and then um, John Main with uh, anyway. <coughs> Lawrence and John Main there, have it. and starting with more, that was the original community. Eileen Byrne is there, uh, and so it wasn't a, so much a monastery, and that's why the, the World Community for Christian Meditation has started since John Main's death as more more of a lay community. Yeah. They were give, given it. They were given it. Yes. Yeah. There was two. <clears throat> the first one was this smaller building. I think it was called Pine. I've never been to Montreal, but I think it was called Pine Avenue or something. And then they were given this much bigger one. This was the meditation room. Uh, the Priory, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Um, this is the visit of the Dalai Lama who visited them. And uh, John Main was very aware of the interreligious aspect of meditation. It was a, um, a place where you could share with other religions in terms of belief and theologies and stuff. You're facing differences. But in meditation, we have a sort of common ground in the practice. And uh, the um, so John Main often is the actual teaching of Vatican II, this Nostra Aetate document, uh, uh, encouraged the Catholic Church or Christians to um, be open to the good things of other religions. So they were very pleased when the Dalai Lama came to visit them in Montreal, hearing that there was a monastery based on meditation. And that this long-term friendship with the Dalai Lama has continued. Um, and it was here that John Main started writing his letters. Uh, some of the books, um, they're collected now in a book called uh, Monastery Without Walls, uh, which is his collected letters, um, because the, the community was growing all around the world. He was giving retreats, and um, so he kept in touch through sending these letters, which are... Um, yeah, which are, and a lot of the quotations, the sort of most profound teaching is in these letters, especially the, the, the final section of the letters, which um, uh, present, present Christ, it was the final section, this is very profound. Yeah. Um, because they're letters, he, he becomes quite poetic, he says that. Um, the mystery of love is that we become what we delight to gaze upon 
And so when we open up our hearts to God's light, we become light. And some beautiful expressions here. I mean, this sense that relationship with God becomes union. It's always a, a bit of a problem in Christianity is that um, we haven't really taken on Jesus' teaching of, of, of oneness with God. You know, we've kind of said, well, Jesus was one with God, but none of us can be one with God. But actually, Jesus said, I, I, I come, I call, um, everything I have, I've given to you. So that union with God is, is given to us. And we become light. Yeah. Um, but these letters also uh, help people to get started in the practice. The, John May was always concerned not to sort of just talk about these sort of union with God or high <laughs> mysticism, but also to keep the feet firmly on the ground in encouraging people to to get used to a daily practice of meditation. So a lot of the letters are, are a combination of encouragement to daily practice with also a sort of spirituality which is very profound. Uh, so he does, the, the greatest difficulty is to begin, to take the first step, to launch out into the depth of the, of the reality of God as revealed in Christ. So this is the, the step of, of starting meditation. Once we have left the shore of our own self, so once we stop thinking about focusing on our body-mind, uh, when we start to, uh, we start to feel this, the currents of reality that give us our direction and momentum. The spirit uh, gives us our real direction and momentum in life. So we stop trying to work things out with our minds and allow God to guide us to, so that we are able to do what we wouldn't think we could do. Um, there's a painting of Jesus so he's summoning the disciples out of the boat to walk on the water. Uh, that's a sort of story in the Gospels about how uh, we, we have to have the faith to, to step out of our uh, known world uh, into uh, the invitation to, to walk with Jesus uh, uh, beyond what we can think we can do. Um, and then John Main says, the more still and attentive we are, the more sensitively we respond to these currents, these sort of promptings of the spirit to give us direction. And then by stillness in the spirit, we move in the ocean of, the ocean of God. Sense of. So they're quite poetic. <laughs> get the, more, the more poetic side of John Main comes in the letters. Uh, very beautiful. Um, but they're also quite, uh, in some, quite scientific. <laughs> John Main was not just a he loved using sort of quite um, scientific metaphors to, to describe meditation. And here is the only time in one of his writings where he actually draws a, 
little diagram to try and describe it. So this is, this is so he's um, trying to describe how, in meditation, it seems like we're we're getting um, more and more narrow in a sense that we're we're focusing our whole attention on the prayer words. We're letting go of all thoughts, and it, it can be seem like, and he got people can criticize meditation as being the opposite of this expansion of spirit, this sort of uh, responding to the promptings of God, because we're not actually paying attention to anything but the prayer word and we're being completely still. But John Main explains that we have to pass through this, um, uh, this narrowing of our attention to a single point. And once we pass through that, we are open on the other side to this infinite expansion. And he, rela- he relates this to the to the, to the cross, uh, this letting go uh, of ourself, leaving self behind, going to this this narrow point where we give up everything in order to receive it all back from God, uh, not based around our selfishness. We receive the gift of our being, not, and, and we are no longer self-centered. Yeah. So anyway, Lawrence wrote a book, um, The Selfless Self, <laughs> about this inf- uh, expansion of spirit beyond uh, the, the individual eye. Yeah. So John Main says, the single-pointedness of the cross opens up into the infinite universe of the resurrection. So he, he often speaks of meditation as the as a, a paschal experience. We're entering into the death and resurrection in our times of meditation, um, and Christ is with us in that sort of emptying out and being refilled with a new, a new sort of receiving again our life from fresh. And uh, John Main did start a monastic community in Montreal. This is some of the Lawrence there and, and some of the other novices that joined. Uh, but he was very concerned that, that monasteries shouldn't be seen as religious institutions, <laughs> that they were there to serve um, the, the teaching of the spiritual life of prayer for others. and. Um, the religion only has sense if it is uh, seen as a, as, an, as the sacred expression of the spiritual. Um, and he did get a lot of resistance from church, some people in the church, uh, and it's because this, when the spiritual experience is lacking, then the religious becomes hollow, superficial, and self-important. <laughs> and sometimes religion without this inner work. It can be very counterproductive. Now, the, the, it was this, this time, just when the monastery was, when they started to receive novices, and, uh, that uh, John Main was diagnosed with a cancer, and um, he was still young, in his late 50s, I think, wasn't it, or 50s. So um, it was a shock 
and um, it was a um, there's a, I love this story in, in Lawrence recounts it in one of his essays on John Main how um, John Main Lawrence was looking after him quite a lot and, and one day he'd fallen out of bed John Main had tried to get up in the night and he was quite ill and he'd fallen out of bed and, and um, uh, Lawrence had to pick him up and put him back into bed and Lawrence said well try, was trying to look at the positive so he said um, uh, one will laugh about this one day and uh, John and Lawrence said John Main immediately replied why not laugh about it now <laughs> I mean it was a, it was um, very difficult for Lawrence to lose his teacher so early on just as they were setting things up but uh, John Main tried to, to, to live very consciously through his his um, illness, and there's a um, number of things he wrote about it. Uh, and the, the illness and dying uh, helped him to um, live more and more in the present moment. It's the future is taken away from you, uh, so that he learned more and more just to be here and now. Um, so this, and um, yeah, so day by day we have to go through this dying to the past and the future, and just learn to be, uh, learn to be just alive in the moment. And that's the, he says, this is the final, most demanding of the lessons life teaches. Oh, well, we're pretty much at the end anyway. Uh, we're not quite at the end. Well, so he died on the 30th of December 1982. Uh, I can't remember what age I'm not. 56, wasn't it? 56, yes. Quite young. So, yeah, 1926 to 82. This is where he's buried uh, somewhere in. In New York, I think. Well, in New York, there was um, uh, the monastery. Uh, I think it, as a priory, uh, the monastery in Montreal, you couldn't have a graveyard. You can only have a graveyard if it's a, an abbey. And so they had to bury him at, a, at an abbey. So he was buried in. At a, at a, by that time, they'd moved their um, religious affiliation to a monastery in America anyway. And the monastery, uh, it was hard to keep the monastery going in Montreal because when, after John Main died, the, the novices hadn't even been uh, taken final orders, so it didn't continue. Uh, it did continue in the sense, in this, the real part of it continued in the, the setting up of the World Community for Christian Meditation. and. Um, this was much later, 91, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, with the help of Father B. Griffiths, who they had meetings in America about what the way forward was, and um, Lawrence and Bede and others felt that the, the real heart of it was to try and teach meditation uh, for, to, to, in all walks of life. So they chose this as the symbol 
where one bird is is uh, drinking, that's the meditation practice, and then the other bird is looking out, is, is open to looking at the world and, and seeing where meditation can be of benefit to, to, to people in the world, in all walks of life. Um, so that became the, the sort of uh, the way it developed after John Main. And so we've got meditation with children, a big thing. So that's um, that's how it. So it, it, it is a sort of death and resurrection. In that, when John Main died, the the whole monastic project seemed to come to an end. It wasn't possible to continue that. Um, so they had to go through this great letting go, uh, and but a new uh, a new sort of form of monastery, monastery without walls, uh, of the World Community for Christian Meditation started. And now uh, there's, there is a trying to get a little bit of walls back by having a center in, in um, France, in, in Bonveau, which will be a, a sort of monastic center. It is an old abbey, but it won't be uh, sort of for monks and nuns. It'll be for lay people. <laughs>